Today, we are here with Zan Johinki, who is the CEO of Property Monitor. And we're going to talk about data, the Dubai property market, how that looks, his forecast, anything we need to look for in 2024. Welcome, Zan. Welcome. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. So it's the 17th today. It's the 17th of my daughter's birthday. Are we still allowed to say Happy New Year on the 17th? Yeah, mate, why not? If you haven't seen someone during the year already, then no problem. It's got to be a cut-off. got to be a cut-off. Yeah, we're getting pretty close. (laughs) We're here getting to Easter. (laughs) We've got Valentine's coming up. There's a lot. Oh, mate, I wish you an early Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've got some talking points on today's property market. So... I'm obviously very happy to have Zan on. Zan is probably one of the leading voices in Dubai real estate. I think me and you battle a lot for uh, uh, column inches. We call it, yeah, column inches and share a voice in the market. So Zan has got an incredible uh, background. I've actually sat on many panels with Zan or listened to you talk about the Dubai property market. So very, very happy to be well-established member of the real estate market uh, on our podcast. Again, lovely to be here. 2023. Wasn't bad, was it? going to complain to be honest with you what's your take on 2023 is in numbers any highlight numbers that you should look out why are we are where we are give me your give me a little snapshot of 2023 for you i mean why we are is the hard part okay 12 months ago wasn't my goal this is not what i forecast to happen i forecast that we'll be looking at probably single high single digit growth um Transactions starting to moderate out, the off-plan market to sort of take the lead, but not in the way that it did. Launches start to moderate. Prices to uptick, but just not so much the way they have. Um, Didn't expect to see all the records break month after month after month. Got sick of saying it was a a record. I don't even say on LinkedIn anymore, like, we've had a record month. I used to say it all the time, but now I'm like, everybody's having record months, and me saying that is no good to anybody. Yeah. Um, It's... it's really tough to explain it. And Dubai was on a good trajectory coming out of COVID, right? Yeah. We had a tremendous recovery. It just kept on going and going while the rest of the world pretty much went through struggles, right? We're only now starting to get into the early phases of their recovery. Now, look, we're always benefits from regional conflicts, right? Yeah. We're the net beneficiary for the most part. Um, Is that because of the location, do you think? Part of it, right? Yeah. We're eight hours from, what, 80% of the planet, yeah. right? Um, location, but it's also the government's put done so much yeah. to drive growth here, right? This is not, we're 20 years old, 25 years old. And we're not. We're, <laughs> we're definitely not. <laughs> Almost double that soon. <laughs> um, but they've done so much to grow it in that short period of time. And Dubai's long-term success or, or, or viability is driven on that, right? They yeah. need population to keep growing. They need things to drive population here. I came over 10 years ago and talking about long-term residency, no, citizenship, never. Yeah. Right? All these things which just, they weren't going to happen. Yeah. And slowly and slowly they've changed. You know, they get passports now as well if, you, if you're selected, but they're actually giving UAE passports. Really? I did not yeah. know that. So you've got to be, it's a bit like when they did the Golden Visa at the start, it is for highly talented, which means not me. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at column inches and data. <laughs> Do you have any uh, visas for that? Uh, but yeah, they, there's so much change in there. I mean, I remember when I first come here, people would panic about, are they going to pass their blood test? And we used to get the uh, the x-ray on the chest and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to get rejected. And I think now it's such a welcoming city, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, uh, it's just, I came here from the US, originally from Australia, I spent 10 years in the US and coming here, everyone thought that, like Saudi, yeah, and that 
that comparison isn't even true anymore. No, it's it's completely evolved and changed so much. Um, it is this oasis in the desert that yeah. has so much going for it and just keeps going. I mean, I'm very bullish on Dubai. Yeah. Um, may not be as bullish on the real estate market in the coming years, though. Yeah. And, okay, let's dig, dig into that. And so obviously, 2023 has been amazing. Why are you not bullish? Are you saying you could see you could forecast a downturn or you're slow down, or what do you see? I'm, I would say a more a gentle tapering, okay, potentially. Um, not a big bust. I don't think yeah. we're in bubble territory. Yeah. I think prices have moderated, things are going in a good direction. Supply is where my concern starts. Right? We're not experiencing oversupply right now. We could, in the near future, launches are going great. Uh, have you got data on that? Do you? Do you have any idea how many handovers 2023 was approximately? We're still wrapping up now. I think it's about 35,000. And there's over 100,000 people that come here. Yeah, so, <laughs> so let's go on this and break down the numbers. Yeah. Um, so the we've had last year new launches yeah. about 100,000 units, residential units, came to market yeah. for sale. They're going to be handed over in the next three to five years. Yeah. Let's call it 2027, realistically. Yeah, and they're still coming, right? We're tracking another 150 projects in the, in the planning and pre-launch phase. That's probably another 35 plus thousand units that'll come on in Q1, Q2. So expect another 100,000 units coming on. Um, that 100,000 units will be staggered in how it delivers. This year, deliveries from previous launches, like it's going to be a big range. You'll say 40 to 60,000. Let's just say it's in the middle of 50. Let's call it 50. That's why I've told everybody 50. So we're on the money. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. You must be right then. You must be. <laughs> so say, say 50,000 handovers. Um, population growth last year for the 12 months, 104,000. All right, 104,000, 3% growth rate, just a little bit below that yeah. for the year. Um, average household size is probably the more important metric. Okay. So I ran my numbers, and a good friend, Dr. Michael Walters, who you probably know as well, yeah. didn't know he was also doing the same thing, ran it independently. Yeah. And we came up with roughly the same numbers in the low four. So let's just round it down to four. Okay. Average four people per And that's been pretty stable, guys with healthy and maintained. Is that like, are we talking, it could be friends, living, family, just the average person? Friends, family, people sharing. Okay. We've both backed out uh, all workers okay. and labor camps. So to really give what the actual yeah. working population is, those that are going to absorb the properties that have been launched. So those numbers, right? If the average household size is, is and 50,000 is coming on, 200,000 people occupy those. Last year we had 104,000. 3% growth rate in population is a strong number. Doubling it, that's going to be um, challenging. Not impossible, but challenging. So just looking at those basic numbers, it starts to be all right. That Do you know my challenge with it, by the way, Zan? This is where, this is where I see it. And again, yeah. this is where we're probably going to clash the swords a little bit. Oh, so obviously, I've just come back from the Atlantis Royale today. So I have an apartment there, as we discussed our offer. Just a little one, right? Just a little one. Just uh, incredible fireworks there, by the way. Um, and when I went there... It's so interesting to see the dynamics of different places. This place right now, right this second, is dead because people are using it as a lock-up and leave. And what you'll find is that that same seasonality in December, it'll be busy, maybe just before the summer it's busy, but right now it's empty. When you talk about these branded residences, I've seen some crazy ones. I've seen Bugatti. You're talking, what, 20 million purchase price minimum? You're then going into Como, 65 million for a four-bed there in in, uh, the Palm. These places, I can imagine, I mean, I've seen Frank Muller and Mercedes. No one's going to be living there at that level. I think this is where you're going to see people from the US, Spain, France, wherever, drop in have, mm-hmm. and drop out. 
So I think you're right with that. Out yeah. of those units that come on, maybe let's say it's 80, 20. 20% 20 of them, long-term residents. The rest, the editors, holiday homes, whatever you will. But if we add all those units up that fall into that, yeah. it's a very small portion of that 50,000. Yeah. It's maybe, let's keep it 20% of that. Right? So now we're still looking at a significant amount. Right, that we yeah. See and drop that number four down to three. If you look at schools right now, what are we seeing with schools? Record enrollments, record enrollment. Wild. Further supports larger household size. So it's not that we're likely to see that four come down. If anything, it could go up or yeah. stay, stay pretty static at that. So at some point, we are going to have a, this one I call it a problem. We're going to have something we need to address where there probably is going to be excess supply starting to come into the market. I won't go to hyper supply. Yeah, but over excess supply, which for most people is going to be well, it's going to it takes the pressure off the price increases. So you're going to see a little bit of downward pressure both on sales and rents. Yeah. So you're going to see if you looked at the rating right now, completed properties, most of those big communities, the villa communities, they had their big jumps up. Some of them have gone on to appreciate more than double. Right. You've got Jamira. Ones they tripled. I don't want to sound like a big head or anything. You Stop, stop shouting. I, I know, but the reason I say it is I couldn't afford to buy that. Honestly, if you went back two years ago and you offered yep. me that, I would have laughed at you and be like, there's not a chance. So I think the reason I'm telling that my property's tripled <laughs> is because I think if you look at the standard person, their wages have not tripled. No. So there has to be some give somewhere. And I think this is where interest rates come into play. Yeah. And then obviously affordability. So I'm 100% with if there is a an excess lag of properties, it will take the pressure off tenants, which is what's needed. Yeah, it's needed. Yeah. It's needed for tenants, it's needed for buyers, right? I was in the market when the, right around the bottom of the market when it turned. Yeah. Uh, and I lost out in the place that I was living in to another friend of ours who's the industry, and that's gone on to more than double in its value now. You're still friends? Yeah. There's no hard feelings with it. I dug with you. Does it sound like that? Does it sound like that? I just take a gentle ribbing with it. But everyone has remembered the markets are cyclical. Yeah. We have highs and lows, and what tips almost every single market over is supply, yeah. right? A supply and demand imbalance. And you know the thing, those aren't. Yeah. And again, forgive me jumping in, but I want people to hear this from my point of view and yours. The only reason 214 happened is because of the, intra, uh, the, the loan to value was decreased and they doubled the transfer fees. So at that point, yeah. like, and this is the question that I ask people talk about this cycle. I was on a panel recently, I said, actually, has there been a cycle or are we talking about a forced downward pressure yeah. from the government to not create a bubble? We're on the same page. Yeah. Right? When I speak about that last market cycle, the upward phase went for 24 months. Mm. Right? And because of, let's call them government circuit breakers yeah. that were put in, it stalled the market. Yeah. It slowed the market. It pushed it into a downward phase. But the interesting part, again, if we look at the, the cycle, right? at the top, it stopped it. Prices started to plateau a bit, took some of that. We, we got out of potentially going to bubble territory. Now, developers at that point should have slowed down. They didn't. They kept going. They kept going and they kept going. And what we ended up having was a six-year, almost seven-year downturn, largely driven by supply and the wrong supply being built and coming into the market. There are other things that came in there as well, but 100% agree. I, don't, I think that 24 months that it was going up, yeah. it had more to run. So the pivotal thing for me, we talk about COVID lockdown when the prices went up, it's nothing at all to do with people leaving their house. Now, there's something happened in lockdown that people didn't actually see in the news. Loan to values were increased by 5%. 
And it was the most stealth news that no one talked about, but that gave people the ability to go on and confidently buy. And I said this to anybody, if you ask everybody, all our family members, we put them all in a room and said, I'll tell you what, if you're renting, we'll give you 100% mortgage today. Everyone will say yes. So if we can open them doors and turn tenants into buyers, that's the house for the property market. That's the biggest thing. The more people we can turn from tenants into property owners will mature this market. You'll get people, when, when people own something, they treat it differently. Well, look, I'm a great tenant, treat it like I'm owning it. Others. Well, that was really good. <laughs> but no, seriously, I do. I just wish I bought it. Um, but when people buy, they start to treat things differently. The community really becomes a community. If it's the building, if it's the villa community they're in, they invest back into it if it's unconsciously. And we need more of that. There's some big communities that are coming up this year. Right? What the biggest ones last year? Oh, I mean, we, last year we had the first part of the Oasis. Yeah. Right? So the Oasis, villa community, much needed. Um, what have we got coming up now? So you've got... Talagaf. Talagaf. Well, Talagaf. Finishing up, seeing handovers right now. Their last couple of areas being filled in. A uh, couple more launches together. They have another master community coming up. Uh, I will leave that announcement for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's coming up. Uh, where the oasis is, Emar has now acquired additional land behind that. Yeah. Not as large as the oasis, but pretty sizable. Another master community coming in there. The acres. Uh, Morass has taken over what was originally going to be. There was the plantation polo and equestrian club. Yeah. Um, behind uh, what is it ranches too that's coming up beautiful villa community that's going in there uh, and then there's eden hills which in dubai hills sort of below part of that h and h is bringing it that online there what they all three years away yeah you're looking at three to five before we're going to see anything there. Right? Um, but it's but, needed this is my opinion all these things when people talk about dubai there's, there's a good thing about the al Qudra road if you go about years ago oh, i'm not sure about town square it's a bit far away now they're building these communities. What is it far away from? It's a bit like Palm Jebel Ali. Is it, is it Dubai South or Emar South, which is next to uh, Palm Jebel Ali? Uh, so you've got, technically, it's, it's all Dubai South, and then you've got Emar South at the bottom part. So let's say that area there. Yeah. Right this second, people say that's far away. Yeah. The minute Palm Jebel Ali hands over, it could be three to five years where you are now in the epicenter of what that needs to be. So these micro communities are going to come. And there is a massive land bank yeah. right below that. Um, that is going to be one of the areas to watch. Yeah. Right? Um, you've got that whole area there, which could be another marina. Look at it, right? I mean, look at the map. You can see the potential that's there. Um, half of the first six fronts have been launched. They've done incredibly well. The others, I'm sure, are going to come throughout the year. Um, but that area, huge developments going along there. You've got these much-needed master communities finally being built. And then the rest, you're seeing fill in the gaps. Do you think Palm Jebelali just a subject is a good option for an investor? Depends on what the strategy is. If it's buy and hold, yeah. yeah I agree. If, if you're looking to buy it now and flip it next year, no. We just sold last week a garden home, really high number for 36 million. Um, <laughs> which to some people, they go, whoa, that's crazy. Go and buy a garden home now on the Palm Jumeirah, a really high number. You're talking 60 million. Yeah. So I think if somebody's got that strategy and they're willing to sit on the infrastructure and let that happen, it's very hard not to make money if they follow through what they're selling. It. It's rare you go wrong with buying property on yeah. the water, right? Holding it long term. I'm 
the longer you hold it, the more you can, and as long as you can, you can hold it and yeah. you can weather the market, right? The market is going to go down. Properties are going to decrease in value at some point, but they're going to go up again. Yep. Right? If you can weather through that storm, you're probably still going to a really good investment. My house I lived in before the one that I bought, um, I lived in a place called Victory Heights. So I had a C1, which is a five bedroom. I bought that for 5.5 million in 2000 and I'm going to say 2013, maybe 14. At the height, it went up to about eight and a half million. I had it three or four years. It went down to four and a half million, maybe four million. And people were like, oh, you need to sell it. And I just said, look, I live in it. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. it's irrelevant to me. When I make my life choice, I'll do what I've got to do. Now, for me, my, my repayments to the bank were the same. So people were talking so much about what the house is worth. But when you own a house, you just don't care. You know when it matters how much it's worth? When you buy it and where you sell it. it. And if you're going to refinance, right? But when you buy and when you sell. That's it. So whenever people ask me, is it a good time to buy? The answer is always, it depends. Yeah. Are you buying for end juice? Yeah. Nine times out of 10, the answer is going to be, if you can afford it now and you've got a buffer to afford it if certain things happen in the future, yeah, yeah buy. It's probably better than renting. This is why flipping doesn't work for me. I think trying to buy money, make money, keep it. Unless you keep doing that, long-term real estate is the only way I've really made money. Honestly, it's the only Look, way. You, you can make money buying and flipping. There's risk with it. Yeah. And there's more risk with that. And everyone's trying to do it, right? Buying off-plan and flipping is probably one of the riskiest ones, especially if you're buying after a really long stretch of appreciation. You start to end up buying at the top. But again, you want to buy that and to short-term horizon, Know the risks that are there. If you can hold it long term, then you've mitigated some of those risks. I mean, the, the super wealthy and the people that I've seen really make the money, where they make their money, and this is important for anybody trying to make money, you don't make money by putting uh, £10,000 to shares and doubling and making 20. That doesn't really work. The real money is in leverage. So leverage can be a payment plan. So for instance, if you put 10% down on buying a property on the Palm Jibble Alley, and that premium is 10%, you double your money. Mm-hmm. Now, if Bitcoin doubled in, in, share, in share price, the whole world would be all over it going, Bitcoin's the bulliest market that's ever happened. But if a, if a property investor doubles their deposit, it's just one of them. It's just, And that's where you really make money. If you can leverage your down payment, whether that is owning the house and gaining your value on the value at the end or your down payment towards off plan, that's serious money. Look, once you buy a property as well and you've got it paid off, now you've got equity in that. You can yeah. go out and buy other properties for that and start to grow a portfolio. Let's get on to data because me and you could drivel oh, there. Man. Yeah, we, could. We, could talk, <laughs> we should do our own podcast just like the property drivel where we just talk. The, the, the drivel, the divide drivel. <laughs> okay, so let's look at some stats. 2023, 408 billion sold last year, which is 55% up from 2022. Some big numbers, right? Yeah. 55%. I, um, I tend to stay away from the value. Okay. I like to look at the volume. Me too. Yeah. I'm always, because that volume, if, if you have 100 big ticket transactions and that market dries up, you've got not a lot left. And you've got diversified across there. My saying in business is I'd rather sell up Fiat's than Ferraris. Oh. I've always said that because like, I think that you can lose that big deal. I mean, when you talk about the volume, you could say a shake's bought two plots in Jebel for 200 billion, all of a sudden the numbers become exactly. So we're pretty yeah. much the same people, you know. Yeah, we're, we're very similar. We do, for a bit, bit of a contrast when we first met probably 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe, maybe I've just got kids and matured a bit, maybe. 70% of all transactions are apartments. Does that surprise you? Not at all. I mean, that's the makeup of the market, right? If you look at the, the current supply that's there, yeah. 
that's pretty much around those numbers, right? 70, 30, 75, 25, that's the numbers there. Until villas and townhouses tick up, yeah. which it's really hard to do because like we just talked about, you have to have master community store. There's only yeah. a few developers that can do that. And you're putting, what, 5,000 units in the market from a big master community? Yeah. How easy is it to do that with five apartment buildings? I, I <laughs> talk about master communities. I, I, if I was a property owner, buying in a master community is by far the best type of investment you can make because you're buying into the community. I've seen many places that have got plots. So let's say Sport City. Yep. Sport City, you go in there and there's just towers everywhere. They're just like, what? Where, where are the paths? Where are the streets? That infrastructure is always one of the last things they put in. Most of the time, the master developer knows where they're not developing it all themselves. Yeah. It's the last thing. They're looking for the individual owners of those plots to start putting exactly. it or share the cost with it. And things change over time well. Right, different that's what offers you a plot around to the money, and you, you got a park there. Like, you're just like, okay, well, you've yeah. got no loyalty to the community, so I'm, I'm out. Okay, so 51% of market sales were done off plan. Is that right? It's probably a little bit more. Okay, um, and this comes to one of the first intricacies with the data, yeah, right? because we there's two registration types, right? You buy off plan, you're getting in a code. Yep. If you're buying a completed property that's got a BCC, you're getting a title deed. If you're buying land, you're getting a title deed. Um, there's a, a interesting within the land department data where some of the villa and townhouse sales um, were recorded with title deeds when it, they were actually the codes. So what we want to do is we take a deeper look at that data um, and go, what was the status of that property at the time it transferred and forget title deed or a code. It takes that 51 probably to the high 58, 59. Oh, wow. so okay. We're getting back to that 60, 40 split that the buy historically had. Yeah. Okay. So the unit transactions, JB seemed was the number one transacted area. Yeah, no surprise. No surprise. I mean, and JBC, oh, said, just, someone <coughs> said to me before, they were talking about JBC, and one of our best agents company is a guy called Ryan Vaticus. So he lives there, he's got two kids, he's brought up a family there, he's got a third kid on the way. I'm to slow down a bit. Let me, <laughs> you know, he meets the fourth, fourth person criteria at that point. See? Um, and I said, I was talking about the market, I said, when we're talking about JBC, without him saying anything, my theory was this. JBC years ago was maybe out of the way because of the infrastructure where it was. Yeah. Right the second you're on Alkel Road, you get access everywhere, you've got your village, your apartments. It's actually now a central location. Yeah, it is relatively central on there. You've got another mall that's going to be open here yeah. as well. Uh, but JBC itself, it, it's, it's a huge community. Yeah. I haven't run the numbers recently, but the last time we did, it's only about two-thirds developed. Wild. Right. So imagine how much more is to come. Most launches that took place last year on a launch basis, not number of units, JVC. If you were offered a place today in uh, Mira or JVC for location, where would you go? Ooh. Am I living there? You're living there. <laughs> if I'm living there, it'd forget Mira. Really? Yeah. For what? Because yeah. the community. Community. But for the location? Yeah, if you get a similar feel and location there, yeah. 100%. Look, my head of sales, he is so bullish on Jamira on Emirates Living. Really? Right. And his one of his biggest things is because of the location. He's like, I'm happy to buy something that is old, dated, do the work to it, but you can't get that close anymore. See it. So we sold Springs Villa, a three bedroom for six and a half million. Fully renovated, ripped apart, put together. And I was talking to him about it before. They were talking about the springs. I said, Look, the springs on the outside look like shit. They do. But with a bit of paint and a bit of renovation to how the, the windows are, and the let, you can create a really, really nice house. And the community is already there. The location is there. The parks are there. 
Um, but you've got to have a bit of vision to uh, to be able to do yeah, that. They, they've got good bones, but yeah. yeah, you've got to have that vision and go in there. Yeah. What's well, really going to be interesting, one day, Jebel Ali race course. Yeah. Right? That is a prime. Quite yeah. yeah, so right behind, you've got to there. Hesse Street is the yeah. sort of the, the evil to it, but that's getting fixed, right? But that land is prime, prime land. Yeah. That's going to be another... That's got to be local-owned land, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's there are plans, I think, eventually develop it. For me, it's going to be your next sort of Emirates Hills. Yeah. It's going to have that sort of cachet to it. Maybe on the periphery, it's going to have some less expensive, but yeah. in the smack bang, in most part, the court race course, I think, will stay. So 2007, I remember pitching to... There's these projects in TCOM, and I was telling people, like, this is um, the, the, the number one ca- camel community, race camp... It's going to be a place where everybody's going to be, everyone's like, this sounds incredible. Like, you're telling me this is owned by the sheikhs, this land, and I'm looking over the camels. I'm like, it's just wild how far Dubai has come from like where it is to where it is yeah, today. and it's just, it, it's going to keep going. Yeah. When you look now, if you grab a satellite map, take yeah. a look at Dubai two years ago and take a look now, the gaps are getting filled in. Yeah. Right? You're looking at all these master communities where gaps are being filled in. Yeah. Right? Arjun. Right. Huge amount of development going on there now. Now, Marjan, very confused. Lots going on there as well. Falcon City of Wonders is coming back online. Dubai Residential Complex, that's all coming back online. People are buying there. They're building there. You've had um, Aldar come into the market with some really big plots that they've got with their, their JV with Dubai Holiday. And they're filling in some of these big locations. The next big one to look at, Dubai Hills, right below that. Really? That is a huge piece of land. Um, it, look, it's under the, the Dubai Holdings banner. Who it ends up going to is going to be really, really interesting. But that's what you go to Miras or someone. No, I mean, look, so it, when I say it's under the Dubai Holdings banner, half of it's right. Yeah. <laughs> but that corridor, that section there. Um, so the latest launch, you had Dubai Hills. Yeah. And then you've got um, Eden Hills going in, which is a relatively small section. And then you've got the RTA works that have been announced, which will start with the, ex- the extension of that road through there. You've probably got one and a half times at least the size of uh, Dubai Hills Estate that's left to be developed in there. Um, Do you think that could affect the price of Dubai Hills? Or? No. Uh, oh, it depends. What, it could. If it mass volumes at the same mass products. Volume. Yeah, but I think you're going to see it go to a developer that's going to have very staged, well-thought-out yeah. launches, get the product mix right. I mean, look at Emar and Dubai Hills. They've pivoted in a couple of areas, right? They put in those uh, at the address villas where that was meant to be a park and some other amenities. And they pivoted, put those in there and move some things around. Yeah. Those areas are going to go to developers that know what they're doing. It's going to be phased in over the long term. Right? And it's not going to be the ones that really drives that supply-demand imbalance. Okay. So $10 million of sales, uh, $10 million sales last year. 70 units in the Palm Jumeirah, 30 Palm Jebelali, 37. MBR 28, Emirates Hills 26, JGE 26. We are the number one now in the in the world for $10 million sales, is that right? Or we're there or thereabouts? Oh, I, I, we're, we're, we're in the same league. I haven't looked at the numbers from all over the world, and I think some of the consultants' reports that you see define prime markets, yeah. um, which could omit by, by their definition, right? I don't like to define them as, as narrowly as some do. Yeah. So if we were to talk the those prime, those key markets, right? Give me a call. I'm Jamira, sure. Emirates Hills. Where else? Jamira Bay. Jamira Bay at the ages, Jamira Bay Island. 
even JGE, to be honest with you, you're not really getting many villas. This is the thing that I was looking at. If you look at London, so I got a place in London that I, I use all the way back. And find me actually many $10 million apartments because what you find in London is the square footage is obviously a lot lower. Yep. You're buying the square footage. So if you want to find a unit that's 5,000 square feet in London that's actually for sale, <laughs> there's not going to be a lot. So it's just like... It's not unheard of for the Palm Jumeirah with the big villas and the MBRs and the JGEs yeah. to hold the record because they have more square footage. Yeah, so take so adding into the, if we were to define it, yeah. we'd probably go further than what some of the consultants do because we put in JGE. We put into our gaff, mm. right? You've, you've got 90, 100, 150 million villas there. I'm pretty sure that falls into that luxury and prime categories. Yeah. Um, you've got these additional ones that just aren't, by such narrow definition. I have one report that said there were only going to be eight handovers of prime villas next year. Eight? Yeah, well, it was for 2023. I'm like, no, it wasn't yours. And I'm like, well, let's just look at their definition of, of what they're putting in it. Because it was significantly more that, that came to market and handed over. Um, so I mean, it comes to the definition. We, we're up in that big league with, yeah. with New York, with Hong Kong. Do you, with do you think Dubai is now sitting in that category? Yeah, when people say you can't class Dubai, Paris, New York. Uh, so I'm, I'm in that camp that yeah. it's very hard to do apples to apples yeah. comparisons with any major city, right? Because they're, they're all different, right? London to Paris, maybe. Yeah. Right? But Dubai to the, it's a completely different market. Yeah. You can compare the price points, the quality of the product. Um, can you compare affordability? Well, then it's also relative for the whole market, right? How much is skewed towards one end versus, versus the other? Um, and there are some people that will never buy here because they will only buy in those markets. Yep. Because right? it's where they live, it's what they know, or they're established markets, or this area just isn't for them. So it's really hard to do the comparison. But look, I think you've seen enough people migrate in where they see the benefit over where they've been. Okay, let's wrap it up with this. Um, I want to finish off on the commercial market. Yep. Commercial, everyone talks about residential. Where are the commercial launches? What's going on? It's a very good question. And we're about to write a piece on this. Um, Commercial around the world is in the toilet right now, right? The office market, the default site you're going to see with a commercial market in the US is going to be crippling more than likely. Now, everywhere else, especially after COVID, work from home, less people in the office, office is not getting used as much. Dubai has completely bucked that trend. Yes, we work from home for a bit, but business registrations went up. We had more coming in. DMCC probably needs to build more because they've had so many registrations for companies. There aren't the project launches happening that should be. Look at the area we're in right now. Right? You're in one of the very few commercial towers here. This area was originally meant for more commercial towers around here. This should be one of the next business districts. Same with Dubai Hills, this area there for another business district. This is also what we want to see long term. We don't want everyone commuting to downtown, to Business Bay, to the marina. Right? That shouldn't be the long term plan. And that also changes the residential communities where, well, Town Square is not that far away if you're coming to your office in Motor City. But if you're driving to, to Business Bay, it's a bit of a trip. I do it every other day. And I can tell you now, my thought... What, was, from Town Square to Business Bay? No, no, no. no. From JG to, to Business Bay. And my thought process is there's not enough thought gone into, and there isn't enough thought from developers that commercial is going to be by far the best investment for any investor in Dubai that's willing to take a unit and sit on it because... The pressure on people renting and the pressure on the prices, you can you can see. I mean, the unit we we bought this floor, this one we're in now six months, a year ago. Um, we were actually renting this floor 
And then it, we said, look, we want to buy it. So we ended up buying it and it's gone up 35, 40% in six months from what else is trading in the market because it's all been sucked out. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh my God, where do you get these? And people put their new price on and they're paying it. And I think that there's going to be a lot of desperate business owners that don't want to get caught up in the trap of we're going to triple your rent once you vacate the property. Yeah. And then look, there needs to be more construction for it. Or then there also needs to be, even if it's not helped up build to sell, even just that build to rent, institutional landlords building more buildings, you only see those in the locally owned areas pretty much. Everything else is strider, right? Individual title deeds that look, it's great to benefit from, but you want more of that. Look at other markets around the world. They've got big institutional landlords that own those. It's also, I think, that's something Dubai needs to do to drive foreign investment. Pension funds, what do they want to invest in? They love commercial real estate. Yep. They love a well-tenanted residential or commercial building as opposed to the residential side. Now, there's definitely a need for it. Who's going to be a developer that sort of jumps into that arena? I'm really looking forward to seeing it because all we're seeing now, the only one that's probably put anywhere near measurable and it's not substantial, but measurable office space into the upcoming supply has been guarded. Yeah. Because they're putting in a couple of, in some of their buildings, yeah. there's a couple of floors, right? Three, four, maybe five floors where they're putting in office space and thinking about and it. Enough for the hole in the buy. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming down. Uh, I'd love to do it again, getting insights. I think this will be one of the longest podcasts we've done. But whilst I'm listening to it, I was just thinking like anybody's interested in real estate, there's so much information to take on it. So thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure. Look forward to being back. Cheers, guys. Cheers.